Most states have increased higher education funding in the past few years, but according to a recent study, only two, Alaska and North Dakota, are spending more per student than they did before the recession. Surprising? Not to those familiar with the sometimes Byzantine world of post-secondary education. Hi, I'm John Chuanis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll examine what could be called the new, or maybe not so new, normal in higher education funding. Even before the U.S. economy soured eight years ago, most public universities in Indiana and elsewhere were dealing with shrinking state support. And any more of the tax dollars they do receive are coming with more and more strings attached. Here with some background is Eric Weddle of WFYI News. This General Assembly has been called the Education Session, but higher ed isn't getting much of a spotlight. Yet major pushes are underway from universities, business leaders, and lawmakers to keep tuition under control, increase graduation rates, and offer more vocational programs and hands-on training. State leaders want 60% of residents to complete a college degree or certificate by the year 2025. The state's higher ed commissioner, Teresa Lubbers, says Indiana is making strides, but has further to go. If asked to give Indiana a grade for our higher education progress, I would give us an incomplete. We have, in dramatic and important ways, shifted our focus from merely enrolling students to making sure they complete degree programs and credentials. Yet we have not yet seen the level of progress needed to adequately transform lives or our state's economy. While inching forward, we still rank in the bottom 10 states in terms of educational attainment. No one higher education issue dominates this General Assembly, but many bills are aimed at the cost of college. Lawmakers have pitched proposals that range from ways to educate students about their loans to allowing non-state residents to receive in-state tuition if they are a member of the Indiana National Guard. But as pressure increases for state colleges to graduate better prepared students, institutions won't see a surge in funding. Governor Mike Pence has recommended just a 1% increase for each of the next two years. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Eric Weddle. Thanks, Eric. Back in a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue researchers are advancing manufacturing industries by developing 3D additive methods, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. During the General Assembly's budget writing sessions in 2009 and 2011, Indiana's major public universities became something of a punching bag for legislators frustrated by the school's inability or unwillingness to curb tuition increases, which on average had more than doubled since 2000, far outpacing inflation. At one point, exasperated by what he viewed as defiance on the part of some university administrators, the chairman of the state budget committee threatened to withhold more than $50 million in campus construction funds. Fast forward to this year's budget proceedings, which, so far at least, have been, well, collegial. Some key fiscal policy leaders, including that same committee chairman, have lauded the state's higher education community for its ongoing efforts to reduce the financial burden on students and produce the kind of workforce Indiana needs to compete in an increasingly complex global economy. Joining me to explore this newfound amity and what it might mean for higher education funding in the coming biennium are former State Senator Teresa Lovers, who served as Indiana's Commissioner for Higher Education since 2009, 
Democratic Representative Sheila Klinker of Lafayette, former outreach liaison for the Purdue University College of Education and a longtime member of the Budget Writing House Ways and Means Committee, Republican Senator Randy Head of Logansport, the Senate's Assistant Majority Floor Leader for Communications, and Dr. Nasser Padar, Executive Vice Chancellor and Chief Academic Officer at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Thank you all for being here. I've been looking forward to this discussion, and I say that as the father of a, of a high school senior, so news I can use. Teresa Lubbers, let's start with you. Just about a month ago, you gave your annual State of Higher Education address, and in grading the improvement that Indiana's higher education system has made, you gave it an incomplete. What did you mean by that? I meant that if you look at our attainment level as a state in terms of higher education, we still rank about 40th in the nation. But if you look at our efforts to improve student success, one would have to say Indiana ranks in the top 10. But ultimately, what matters is whether those programs that we're putting in place and policies and strategies actually increase the education level of Hoosiers. That's why I gave us an incomplete. And a lot of this starts and ends with money, I suppose. Not entirely, but money does drive this, the system. Uh, the state support, and this is not just Indiana, this is, this is nationwide largely, That's on right. a percentage of operating uh, budgets uh, at public universities has been going down and down and down. I think when I was at IU, it was well over 50%, I think it's 18% now, and President Michael McRobbie has suggested it might be as low as 10% within a decade. Where does this end? I mean, you've, you've watched this uh, from, from your perspective, um, both in the legislature and as somebody looking out for Purdue. Where does, where does this Well, I have, John, and we are freezing tuition at Purdue University. Um, former Governor, President Daniels of Purdue University, feels that the debt has increased too much, and so what we're trying to do as a group of legislators working together is pass bills like Senate Bill 509 that gives an adult part-time student uh, a grant uh, and also helps them in their final years. So I think with um, President Daniels having the idea of freezing tuition and stopping the student debt, I think the state legislators realize that they have to step up and that the state has to provide dollars uh, and I know our presidents have testified to that in our budget committees. But even if the, the funds that are uh, in the budget's proposals as they stand now are, are funded and enacted and signed as part of the biennial budget, it's still, I think, even with, what, $45 million or so in base, uh, increased base funding, that still doesn't even get the schools back, does it, to where they were prior to the, re the recession? Sure to make oh, it I up. doubt it, but any time uh, an institution depends on state for aid and then its costs are going to double the rate of inflation. I think the legislature is going to pull back. Now, we've talked about strings being attached. Maybe it's reins or a leash of some sort, but we're going to pull it, and we're going to pull it pretty hard. Uh, and we're going now to more incentive-based uh, funding, and I think that's a good thing that's going to help rein in costs and help get kids through uh, their colleges on time, which is a big issue. Incentive-based funding or performance-based funding, Indiana's been something of a leader in this, if I'm not mistaken. I think 30-plus states have have embraced some form of it, but Indiana, I've seen studies suggesting it's at the forefront because of the metrics that it uses, what is it, six or seven metrics that you it's use? Seven so metrics, and Indiana's really ranked as one of three exemplar states in performance funding. Do you, Dr. Padar, do you feel that uh, the dollars are shrinking, and as I mentioned at the outset of the, sh of the show, the strings are, are becoming more and more attached to the, to the fewer dollars that are coming? You're sort of in a 
brick bag there, aren't you? The dollars uh, are shrinking, but we do realize the pressure that it is on the states, and we are very appreciative of legislators for support of higher education. We at Indiana University and IUPU have taken many steps to uh, contain cost. We have uh, developed shared services. All of our campuses are now working together in, in many areas, including admission, to lower the cost for the for the students, the bottom line is really success of the students. We just completed the bi uh, bicentennial plan, IU bicentennial plan, and IUPUI plan. And in both plans, number one priority is success of our students, and we are working very hard in providing scholarship, financial aid, cutting costs to make sure that students are successful. And we are very appreciative of the support that we are receiving, including the performance-based funding. Uh, we, we really think that it's really working and puts us uh, our attention where it really counts student success. And yet, well, there will be uh, a greater percentage of funds allocated in this manner. I think it's at 6% now. It'll go up to right, 7, 7 or 8%. Mm -hmm. So again, I, I, I know it's portrayed as a good thing, but again, that's more obligations, more metrics, more requirements. Do you get, as an administrator at, at a large institution, to the point where if, if the dollars now at the funding level is 10% or less, and I got a lot of strings attached, you get to the point where you say, quietly, in a room with just your colleagues, I wish we didn't have to deal with it. The money's not even worth it anymore. And some people have said, well, dabbled with the P word, privatization of some of these institutions. Is that, wow. is that crazy talk or is that potentially We are not future? thinking in those lines. I think that <laughs> we are very pleased with the I know the there are a lot of people in the General receiving. Assembly not thinking in those lines. Uh, I think that when you look at IUPUI and our focus is student success. When you look at the mm -hmm. performance-based funding, there, its focus and all the parameters are student success. So when our goals matches the goals of the performance-based funding, we know that we will uh, fare very well in this, in this performance. Now, could we take the clock back to the 60s and 70s where we could have uh, funds uh, for higher education at the, late, at the rates that it was? Sure, that will be helpful, but I think it also makes us more uh, conscious of the student success and what we need to do to control costs at the university. And I know all of my colleagues in all universities are very conscious of that and working very hard to make the uh, education affordable in Indiana. John, I think it's really important to also mention the fact that in the last budget session, the legislature stepped up and made the largest investment in higher education we'd seen in three decades. That's right. And at the same time, we often fail to talk about the how much financial aid we provide to students in, in Indiana. We actually rank first in the Midwest and seventh in the nation in need-based financial aid. So when you talk about affordability, you have to also talk about our support for students through financial aid. And we should also point out, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in, there, in that there was a large increase in support in the last budget writing session. Not all of those funds, at least to date, have, have entered the coffers of the universities because of reversions mandated by the Pence administration, correct? Even with that, mm -hmm. there was still a huge increase. Still, but 2% or what, $47 million or $27 mm -hmm. million dollars last summer and the prior uh, mm -hmm. fiscal year as well. What so. we've really tried to do is, and I think the legislators have been, uh, legislators have been very supportive of this idea, is to say, we need to invest in higher education. We are willing to pay for what we value and we're going to ask you to actually hold your uh, tuition increases to no more than the rate of inflation. And those three factors together are really working. There's a couple of great examples out there. I think Dr. Pater talked about the, the cause and effect. When the legislators start talking about these things, uh, the universities are listening and they're changing things. IU Kokomo campus is very near my district. I have a lot of students who go there. They have an app uh, for students' phones now where they'll, they'll put in uh, what your major is, 
uh, what your graduation track is, and you can look anytime, day or night, any day of the year, to see if you're on track or not. If you drop a class or pick up another one, you know what effect it's going to have. And the commission has its 15 to finish program, but we're publicizing the fact that students need to have 15 hours uh, a semester to get out on time. And, and if we fact, get more out on time, they lower their debt. In some cases, scholarships are tied. You have Absolutely. To have 15 a semester or 30 credits Our a year century scholars to, to get to make sure to that you're on track. To receive the maximum track. amount That's of financial right. aid you do. So you, you, clearly there's a message here of you know, servicing not only the state and its workforce needs, but the individual students, presumably those, those are aligned. Um, and you do it with you know, consumer surveys. I know you're embarking on, on that and feedback and I hear terms accountability and you and your report uh, for the year on this was return on investment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's starting to sound a, and this, I don't know if this is good or bad depending like on, on, on the, it's starting to sound like a business. Now that makes, is that good or bad? I, well, I, I think we have programs that are uh, certainly emphasizing three years rather than four years uh, to get out of college in, in certain programs. Now in engineering and pharmacy, and veterinary science, many of the Purdue programs, you just can't do that. Uh, but in other liberal arts programs, that, that is being pushed, including uh, some summer school classes. Not every student can do that, uh, but it reduces the debt. Uh, and President Daniels from Purdue University has stressed some programs being three-year programs. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw him quoted in the past few months as saying that could become the new norm, a three-year undergraduate degree, for instance. Uh, now, let, let me speak to that because I had three students at Purdue, my children, who were very involved in Purdue musical organizations, uh, the Purdue Glee Club as well as the Purdue Wets. Uh, and they traveled with Dr. Beering all over the country performing uh, to really seek funds for Purdue University, which oftentimes worked very well. Bottom line is some of the students want a four-year program because they're presidents of their sorority or fraternity and are very active in, and engaged in other campus activities. So well, not everyone can graduate well, in three I do years. wonder, I remember, it's a distant memory, but back when I was uh, <laughs> going through freshman orientation in Bloomington and they said, how many of you know your major? And most of us raised our hands and they said, well, your X percentage of you are wrong because 2.8% of the time you're gonna, you will change your major 2.8 times during your college career. Are we locking students into a situation where they don't have sort of this potential, you know, wonderful experience no. of discovery where you can go and, you know, a lot of people take a class, a professor really ignites something? Are we at risk of getting away from that with, the, with these shortened time frames? I don't all? think so at all. Uh, as Sheila said, the three-year degree will, will be available, but it's not mm -hmm. going to be mandatory. That's right. uh, students are allowed to change their major, and if they, have, they realize they have some new love or some new passion, they ought to do that. They ought to follow what their passions are. And the law is never going to say that you can't change your major or you have to graduate within such and such a time yeah, frame. Those scholarship dollars and financial aid dollars might not follow, right. correct? Well, they, well, the incentive is there to do it, well, to get out on time. Well, we never more than four years for financial aid. Okay. But what colleges are doing is they're meeting with the students more. They've got more counselors who are having more appointments with each student to, to make sure you're in your right major, uh, that you're set to graduate on time, and if changes need to be made, they're making those earlier on, and that's a good thing. Indiana State, I think, calls it what? Uh, intrusive? Uh, intrusive advising. Intrusive right. advising. They're, they're chasing. I have this image of advisors <laughs> chasing people across campus, finding them. You, do you realize you're getting It's this? really about value, John. I mean, I think it, when you talk about whether business principles apply or or whether acceleration, it's really about proving value. And a lot of times we think about students 
the way we perhaps went to college. And we need to remember that most students don't have parents who pay for them to wander through college and discover themselves. I'm not discounting the value of actually being exposed, and if you can do that, but a lot of students are actually worried about being sure they can complete on time because an extra year of college sure. costs fifty thousand dollars. No, 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 no doubt. Right. I mean, you, know, I, 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 you, you live this world every day. I mean, we you do worry about day. it becoming so commoditized and such a business setting, and everybody's on wearing blinders to other campus experiences. Well, instead they, of worrying, we are doing things about it. Right. I think what is important is not necessarily only just introducing students to majors, but what is important at IUPUI is that our students, once they graduate, they have jobs, mm -hmm. that they are employed, or that they go to a particular degree program. So we are actually combining career advising and academic advising from the orientation to the parents and all the way so that students will get a better idea as to what they will be doing going forward. This will help them choose a program better and it will also emphasize to our people as well as others that it is important to focus education on what is for and that is doing something in the society when you graduate or when you move on to the graduate programs. You, you referred to that in your, the speech. You said you, it's a matter of blurring the lines between, between the employers business and world. Education, I mean, right. that's, clearly that's right. a theme sure. now with the governor's call for 10,000 additional internships and some of the legislation Advanced that would have piloted co-ops mm -hmm. and, and beyond what's existent now because I guess relatively few based on the studies that, that you all have put forth, 6% or so, so they actually had opportunities mm -hmm. to do that, which... Well, the good news is that many more of our students are really wanting to enter into college and even if they maybe uh, follow a two-year track at Ivy Tech and then transfer to a university, uh, that's allowing them to maybe uh, start at maybe a, a level that's a little less expensive and then transfer, but I, the good news is that we have more students applying for uh, getting into school and getting into college. We have the, the largest group of folks ever applying at Purdue this year. So that that's a very, very good omen for the future of Indiana. And an unusually large number, I should point out, in this freshman class of out-of-state students, which that's correct. Same, mm -hmm. same in Bloomington, I think, yes. 44 and 43 percent respectively, which raised some eyebrows in the General Assembly right. that said are we yes, getting away has. from the core <laughs> mission. But at the same time, had you stuck with last year's percentage, I think I saw you'd be $14 million behind. Is this one of the situations where you want universities to you know, stick with Hoosier students, but at the same time, when they look at the opportunity to get three times potentially the amount of right. revenue? I mean, we is say that, we is want that you to educate trade? Hoosiers, and they say, well, we want you to help pay for it. Is that, is is that there, fair? Are they right? I mean, there, there's definitely a tension there, and, and there's merit to yeah, both sides of that, and that's, that's mm -hmm. probably the fault line that we're going to be on going forward. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the basis for all discussions, I think. The side that we have taken is the Hoosier side. 90% uh, of students at IUPUI are Hoosiers. We are working very hard to make sure that we provide services and education to central Indiana and the rest of the state. While we have many programs that have global reach, the focus that we have at IUPUI is really here in central Indiana, in the community, because we think that we will make a bigger difference by educating Hoosiers that stay in Indiana and contribute to the economy of the of state of Indiana. And our performance funding formula only awards um, money to, uh, to schools for That's Indiana right. students. I mean, mm -hmm. that is where we focused our That's effort true. on Indiana students through the performance funding. At yeah. Purdue University, we have the second largest number of Chinese students in the nation, uh, and that's because of the STEM programs 
uh, and, you on know, the materials has made an argument that there's benefit in exposing and getting the best Diversity. and brightest students from wherever they are and exposing uh, your own students to uh, homegrown students to that. You know, That's the goal, right. I guess, it's been set by the commission and embraced by others is to have 60% of the uh, Indiana adult population, I mm -hmm. guess, uh, with some sort of post-secondary right. credential by, what's your date? 2020. 2020. 2025. Mm -hmm. 2025. Doable? Is that going to happen, Senator? Uh, is that, uh... It's doable. Uh, it's a tough challenge, but mm -hmm. I, I congratulate Teresa because it's a great goal to have and a great thing to work for. Uh, we've got to get more people into training. More of our jobs are going to require it. Uh, if we want our That's economy correct. to continue to grow, we, we've got to stay on that track. We have to. Senator Head said the right thing. The goal is tied to what the workforce need will be and two-thirds of the jobs will require some sort of degree or credential beyond high school, and that's why the 60% goal was established. And do you think we can make it, Dr. Fadar? We can make it. It's, it's, uh, we have to be a little bit creative. Uh, we have started a brand-new program, uh, which is a degree completion office that we have created. The, the hope here is that there are uh, around 750,000 Hoosiers in Indiana that have started education at one point in their careers, and, uh, and then life happened. So the hope is to bring them to this office and make sure that the office uh, looks at what they have done, gives them credit for the credentials or the activities, the, the work experiences they've had, and then move them in the degree programs. Not every degree program, but those that they could uh, go through and be successful. So the degree completion office that we hope uh, would, would expand uh, in the, in the future will have an impact again in this area. And there was legislation, if I'm not mistaken, that the commission backed that I believe failed uh, to uh, emerge. I could be wrong, you know. We're still so working. It's called still returning <laughs> complete. Uh, yes, returning complete. And as we all know, nothing's really over until the session uh, during signing Well, on. and the good news is that we have um, Ivy Techs uh, to start our students maybe coming back from service in smaller areas like Frankfurt, Monticello, Crawfordsville. So they have a feeling that, that it's homegrown. It's a hometown situation where they can start uh, get feeling better about being in school, and then they transfer to and another veterans, and I believe guardsmen, uh, national guardsmen, regardless of their home state, will now qualify. Yes. Under that's correct. Legislation we that's, have uh, that program, which will help tremendously. Interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you gave the uh, improvement an incomplete, and I'm going to have to give this discussion an incomplete because there's so many topics we didn't get to. <laughs> Uh, we'll call this the first semester. We'll, right. It'll be a two-semester right. course. I thank you all for uh, being here. Very helpful information, very, uh, very good insights. Thank you. Again, thank my you. guests have been Indiana Commissioner for Higher Education, Teresa Lubbers, Democratic Representative Sheila Klinker of Lafayette, Republican Senator Randy Head of Logansport, and Dr. Nasser Paydar, Executive Vice Chancellor and Chief Academic Officer at IUPUI. Have state legislators done enough this session to spur economic development, or have they hindered it? Money talks on the next Indiana Lawmakers. Time now for our weekly discussion with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight and its sister publication, Indiana Education Insight. You know, Ed, we've been around for a long time, and it, you know, back in 2009, 2011, there was a lot of uh, heated rhetoric and argument between the university and lawmakers. Now, as we noted, things seem to be pretty harmonious. Why? Even though the dollars haven't, aren't flowing from the sky. Well, that's, that's part of the problem. Everybody, or part of the solution, too. Everybody realizes that, that there's just a finite amount of money to go around. It's not as much as before. The gravy train's over, and everybody's applying themselves to trying to figure out, you know, what's going to give us the most bang for the bucks. 
and people seem to be understanding today, and I think that this may have been um, a factor of, of now President Daniels, then Governor Daniels drumming into our, our heads, that we needed to do something to equate what the colleges and universities were doing with what the workforce needs. And it's not just a vocational kind of career education like you, you might get through Ivy Tech and Vincennes, but with the other state-supported colleges and universities as well. Do you sense that there's any fear among uh, the academy, those in the academy that they will be hamstrung uh, by these new approaches? You know, you need to do this major, we need to have X number of people coming out with these skills. That's tr not traditional uh, academia where things are sort of just sit back and think big thoughts. Well, I'm sure that there's that debate going on, you know, with, within the, the institutions, but the broader question is, you know, what can we do for this, the state and get the, the return on the investment? And, you know, we're, we're seeing um, a concentration by the, the Commission for Higher Education right now on, on their return to complete program, trying to get adults to uh, finish up their college educations that they may have abandoned years ago. And that's another way that, that they're trying to, to increase their value to the, the state and to the community and to the institutions around the, the state. And something else that, that um, Adam Van Osdell, the editor of Indiana uh, Education Insight, is, is keeping watch on is the 21st Century Scholar Program, which has shown its value over the years, going back 25 years. You know, we, we, were, we were baby reporters when, when this program was, was first instituted. But it's showing right now that even though it's costing us like $94 million over the biennium, and that's a big ticket item, it's showing us that more students are, are graduating from high school because of, at higher levels. They're entering college at higher levels, and they're completing things at a higher rate than their low-income peers. Worth, worth the investments, it seems. I know you wanted to mention the passing of Earl Harris. Yeah, Earl Harris, the man, was, was a, a good person, but Earl Harris, the, the representative, uh, played a, a larger role. He was a bridge builder, kind of a boundary spanner, brought all the, the different caucuses and, and his own individual dis disparate interests within the Democratic caucus together. Legislature will truly miss him. Very good. Ed, thanks as always for your insight. We appreciate it. For more information, episode streams, and extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity and Bright House Networks. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Chuanis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media and Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for exclusive web content, including the best advice our guests have ever received. Until next week, take care. Purdue startup NeuroVigor, renewing hope for people with chronic diseases like MS and Parkinson's by targeting neurotoxins, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.